So, Steve, here's our quiz. What is the living hope in that text? The living hope is heaven. Exactly. It's heaven. Yeah. Yeah. So, so why is there a gigantically popular worship song calling Jesus Christ our living hope? Huh. It's like it's, it's not evil to call Christ our living hope. Yeah, that's like we're close. Yeah. But, uh-huh. but why can't we be scripturally accurate? Yeah. Like if, if this is going to be heard by thou- millions of people because this, this is a Phil Wickham song. Mm-hmm. And it's melodically beautiful, all this kind of stuff. But it, but why can't we just be accurate? Welcome to Grounded. I'm Steve Hartland, pastor at Cornerstone Community Church here in Joppa, Maryland, where incidentally, today it is very beautiful and sunny and about 65 degrees, so it's just a nice day. And our topic today is... Christian worship music, music that you use in your gathered assembly. And to talk about that, I've got a special guest. His name is Jason Wallace. He's one of our pastors. And one of his jobs as pastor, he has others, but one of his jobs as pastor is he oversees our entire uh, corporate worship as far as everything up to the sermon. I get to oversee the sermon. He oversees all the rest. So, um, Jason, welcome. Thanks for having me, Steve. Yeah, great to have you, man. Yeah, good to be good here. Time. I love talking about worship, too. You we were so. actually in this room yesterday, and your wife was sitting there, and you mm-hmm. were behind the cameras, but they won't know that. It'll come out different, won't it? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. yeah. So, um, just going to ask a little bio about you. So, uh, where were you raised? Raised up in? Yeah, I was raised in Northern Virginia. Um, we, we had moved around the world before that, but Northern Virginia is where I, where I was, and uh, I've been living here in, in Baltimore-ish for the last nine years or so. Yeah, like where'd that. you go to college? James Madison University. JMU. Yeah, uh-huh. man. Yeah, good spot. Down in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And um, you also went to grad school. Where'd you do that? Faith Theological Seminary in Baltimore. Got your MDiv over at Faith. Was mm-hmm. that good? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you get to learn about Jesus, so it's, it's great. It's hard to beat that, isn't it? Yeah. Man, I loved seminary. Yeah. Like college, I, I went to a Bible college, and that was pretty mm-hmm. good, except you still had to take the number of regular, you know, basket weaving courses and mm-hmm. English, whatever, and all that. But man, I wanted the Bible courses. And in seminary, it was all Bible yeah. courses. Yeah. It was so cool. Yeah. And you're married. You're married mm-hmm. to Taylor. How long have you guys been married? We've been married for nine years, and oh, we've got three little boys. And so it's a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, so Taylor's Taylor's now at home. She, like you said, she was here yesterday uh, mm-hmm. doing this podcast, but now she's at home hanging out with the boys, having a good time. So. All right, and you occupy uh, our church's position of. I'm going to give you a title that isn't really your title. You are our chief musician, and that comes yeah. from the Psalms, right? Certain versions of the Bible mm-hmm. have a Psalm of David to the chief musician. Yep. So you're our chief musician. Yes, uh, what's your musical background? How did you wind up being our chief musician? When did it start in your life? Yeah, well, I was about 13, and I started playing the bass guitar. My older brother played electric, and he'd make me play bass lines under his soloing, which was um, somewhat torturous at the time, uh, but, but a lot of fun. So I started out in bass, picked up electric guitar in high school um, with, in a band with that guy over there. Mm-hmm. And uh, He was the drummer? He was the drummer, yeah, back mm-hmm. in... Uh, you're in ninth grade, ninth grade year, my 10th grade year, a band called Conundrum. Conundrum? Mm-hmm. Was it a conundrum? Nobody uh, could figure it out? It, well, we didn't do great, so <laughs> I guess no one could figure it out, yeah. It, it was a... It was a Maybe uh, you were so good, it was a conundrum why they didn't... We just left you. them dumbfounded, yeah. Oh. It was, but it was, it was a blend between pop punk, my influence, and uh, classic rock. And so maybe that's why... Uh, 
you know, didn't didn't quite work out. Didn't too appeal well. to either audience. Yeah. Well, we 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 by the end it was it was going pretty good. You had a lot of that punk thing in you, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like punk bands. Yeah, yeah. My last band, uh, the Chief End. So we got to play around Baltimore and stuff like I've that. I've heard you. I've been there. Yeah, yeah you did. Yeah. You came. Yeah. And so uh-huh. that was a uh, that was a pop punk band. It's, I love love pop punk. That's kind of the, my my heart music is that. So. Yeah. That was a good band. Oh, cool. You had a bunch of good musicians, and you guys mm-hmm. really rocked it. So uh, I enjoyed. It. Yeah, the Chief End. Yeah, Man's fun. chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever, as in yes, that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that That's was the, the thing. All right, so we're going to get to our topic now. Our topic, as I mentioned, is uh, worship music, not mm-hmm. just Christian music like you might hear on the radio. Yeah. That's going to come up. Mm-hmm. We could talk about that. That would be interesting. Yeah. But we're thinking really about music that is worthy of being brought into the assembly of God's people on a Sunday morning when they're gathered or Sunday night, lifting their hearts in praise. Mm-hmm. So, so that's our topic. So – Let's start general, all right? Okay. So in the most general, is this too too broad, too general? How would you evaluate the current state of Christian worship music hmm. in the United States? Any any general comments? Yeah, I, I do have some comments. And uh, I, I, to me, there it's not not great, all right? So we <laughs> there's a lot of um, encouraging stuff out there. There's a lot of um, warm-hearted devotional things out there. Uh, but but what I want, I want some more scriptural accuracy mm. and scriptural richness yeah. in the worship music content. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, well, uh, if you can, let me, you can stop me if you want to not get into this now. But um, but that, that's one of the things I, I see, especially in terms of uh, in terms of accuracy. Um, I don't understand why this is such a problem. Um, there's a, there, here's an example. So there's a song out there. I'm going to be such a curmudgeon, Steve. Yeah, it's your turn. All right, I have to fill that role sometimes. Now it's your turn. Let me let me tell tell you, listeners. So I am, I love like like the fact that Shine FM exists. I'm happy about the fact that yeah, me too. There's all these big artists doing a good job on producing these uh, these worship songs. I don't want to be someone who, uh, who gets life from hating other people's music. Who, who right. I was reading the end of Carl Truman's book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, and he was talking about well that very thing. Like one of the downfalls Christians can fall into is just their getting their their peace from pushing everything else away. And so I don't want to be that. Um, but at the same time I, I see some issues. So for example, so there's a really big song out there and it's called Living Hope. And so it's a pretty song. And Steve, I'm going to read a passage for you, and I'm going to ask you a question. Got your ESV study Bible going there. I do. Game yeah. Weighs 25 pounds. Yep. Uh huh. And so, so here's a verse. It How says, many trees do they have to cut? I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Only one, the tree right. of life. Um, it says, uh, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead." To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. I'll keep hitting my mic. So, so Steve, here's our quiz. What is the living hope in that text? The living hope is heaven. Exactly, it's heaven. Yeah, yeah. So, so why is there a gigantically popular worship song calling Jesus Christ our living hope? Huh. It's like it's it's not evil to call Christ our living hope. Yeah, that's like we're close. Yeah, but uh-huh. but why can't we be scripturally accurate? Yeah, like if if this is going to be heard by thou- millions of people because it's a Phil Wickham song hmm. and it's melodically beautiful, all this kind of stuff. But it, but why can't we just be accurate, you know? And what's your answer to that? I have an answer. Do you have an answer? Why is yeah, it that I've, there are so many <laughs> songs like that that don't come out accurate to Scripture? Um, well, if I'm believing the best of Phil Wickham, because I, th- I think he's a genuine guy, um, 
I think that the answer is that there are a certain number of things that you can say that sell. Hmm. Yeah. So I think if you're going to write a song, man, if, if I hear another song about mountains and giants, I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm going to lose mm-hmm. it, Steve. Mm-hmm. Like every verse one of, of like just many, many, many songs, verse one comes in, you're talking about those giants mm-hmm. and the mountains that yeah. you're in front of yeah. you. Right? Or the enemy or the adversary. The enemy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then when you're talking about God, you're talking about him doing miracles, doing healing, Always. and, and that delivering me through from my enemy yeah. or the my one, enemy might be my boss. It might be the dog next door mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or my worries, which is, that's a biblical concept. Yeah. Um, and it's always a water metaphor about the worries, but, and that, that's, that's good. Giants and mountains are good, but not all the time. There, there's just, there's more to talk about. Like I, I want to hear about, I mean, you, you give the Richard Baxter quote all the time about the, the the well is deep and our minds are shallow, right? The well of the scriptures is deep. There's so much in there. Like, give, give me a song, give me a song about um, sanctification. You know, Sovereign Grace does that. They're not on the radio. Give me a song about, <laughs> um, man, like I'm, I'm reading through Colossians right now. And so uh, as we receive Christ, so walk in him. Give me a song that helps me to do that. Yeah. Just exclusivity of Christ, something like that. There's, there's so much in the, te- in, in the word of God. And we hear about giants and mountains all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Richly. There's a rich indwelling of God's word, mm-hmm. speaking to one another in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So mm-hmm. our songs ought to give evidence of the fact that we have a rich indwelling of the word of Christ. And what you're saying is they kind of don't. So are you also saying, Jason, I think you're saying, that um, one of the big problems we have is we both appreciate shine. I'm glad they're there. I think it's nice music to listen to when you're driving your car. Just here's the problem. Don't don't think, so I want that music in my church because it's probably not worthy. Or at least, most of it probably isn't worthy. Some of it might be. isn't worthy of being in your church. But are you saying one of the big problems is it's written according to what will sell. Mm-hmm. So what will sell is more important and drives the music creation more than what's biblical, what's faithful to scripture. Is that it? it? That's part of it. There's a lot of the songs on Shine, especially back in the day. Th- these days, the the congregational worship is, is taking over more of the market. But um, but a lot of songs aren't written to be congregational. You know what? They're not Shine anymore. They're bright. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. we both missed that. Uh, <laughs> Pardon yeah, right. me. Uh-huh. Um, all right. Keep yeah, going. They won't both... sue us now. Uh-huh. Um, so, so, so there are a lot of songs that are just about Christians living and being happy, positive, encouraging, right? Like, and those those are fine songs to listen to. Um, but I'm not going to play any of those at church because they're not congregational worship. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of them lose out because of that. And and I, but I I want to play things from Shine. I want to because if people don't have to process the song yeah. for the first time, they know they're, they're gonna they're gonna be able to to worship better, engage with yeah. God more, and the, right in. yeah, exactly. So I want to play Shine songs, but um, but I regularly go to Shine FM. I go to their recently played um, or trending. They they have those tabs, which is really helpful. Hmm. And I will listen to the first twenty songs on there, and usually I will come out with zero that I want to play. Not one, song. Huh? Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for weeding through them. And again, we're not we're not blaming that. Like my wife probably listens to that. She also listens to country music. Those are the two stations. We have country or Christian music on. And I don't listen to anything when I drive anymore because I want quiet and I want to think. Mm-hmm. I almost never listen to anything. Do you? I never listen to anything. Ah, we're brothers in that. Yeah, okay. uh-huh. But uh, I'm glad they're there. So, mm-hmm. but I'm glad for your discernment that, yeah, this isn't stuff we want to bring into the assembly, though. The, it's not a rich indwelling of the Word of Christ. Yeah. And it might not even be faithful, faithfully reflect, reflecting what's in Scripture. Maybe another reason for that is we have 
musicians who are not theologians, mm -hmm. who are not trained in Bible and theology, writing the songs, you think? Yeah. I mean, like, we had Isaac Watts, yeah. right? We had Charles Wesley. Yeah, man. I mean, wasn't it uh, John Cooper who he said, like, you're getting your theology from a 20-year-old worship leader? It's just, you, you shouldn't be. You should be getting your theology from theologians, from people uh -huh. who have studied this, people who have spent their lives learning the Word of God. But but because of our, probably because of our entertainment-driven culture, yeah. if you look the part and sound the part, then take the stage, man, and teach us. Lead us yeah. to the throne of God. When you're not necessarily qualified to. And there yeah. there are some exceptions. Like uh, you know, Keith Getty, he can he can do whatever he wants. Bob right. Coughlin is a pastor. Yes. And uh and they write good stuff. Yeah, they do. Yeah. But back in the day, man, if we want to go way back in the day, back in the 1500s day, you had Martin Luther <laughs> yeah, writing, writing the hymns for yep. the and it was said that the pope feared his hymns more than all his sermons because they were uh, not only so chocked full of good stuff, but the people would learn them and sing them all week mm -hmm. long. No, that, that's why I get the better job, Steve. I know you get you get to <laughs> preach. But we can fight over that. I one. know, but the thing I get to do is we get to I get to so so like my definition of worship is or the the goal of worship is to uh, is to cultivate meditation upon and right responses to the Word of God. And Say so that again, I get to cultivate meditation upon and right responses to the Word of God. And so. Mm -hmm. My my work has has a broader uh, tool, more tools available in, in that meditation than yours does, because you're just you're using your voice and you have things like repetition and things like that. But, man, when I, I get to make people sing these things, mm -hmm. they're, they're moving their mouths, saying yeah. the words. So honest now. So if your job is better because of that, then how come I want to say increasingly, but no, it's not increasing. How come you pretty consistently take time out of your songs mm. to read a scripture and to preach a little sermon. Uh, you preach little sermons. I do, I do, uh -huh. I do. But in terms of staying power, I guess, really that yeah. might be the only one. In, in staying power, um, the, by God's grace, like I, I'm, I'm in the position where I can plan what what they what might get stuck in their head for the week. Oh yeah, and that's just such a, oh, such a cool thing. They definitely get stuck in my head. In fact, one of your songs that you wrote and that our band leads us in, and I don't think you even did it last Sunday, but it just popped up in my head earlier this week. It's been in my head every day of this week. <laughs> there you go. I mean, enough that I told Debbie, you know, hey, I'm kind of song is just running in there. So yeah. yeah, I see what you mean. Probably nobody's doing that with anything from my sermon, are they? <laughs> probably they probably don't have the cadence of a sentence of yours going through their head. Probably but maybe, not. maybe the points, but yeah. it's a it's a cool thing about music. All right, so um, how would what are, how would you identify? What are some characteristics of good for corporate worship worship music and not so good or or, mm -hmm. or bad? In fact, I think you have kind of a grid, don't you? A mental grid you put things through. You want to talk about that? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, so I, I have I have seven uh, different different things. The perfect number. <laughs> yeah, had to be seven. Yeah. Um, and so so the, probably the main two we've already talked about. So scripturally rich. So not not just scriptural accuracy. I want scriptural accuracy, but I mean, if you say God is good, God is good, God is good, three hundred times, you're accurate, but you're not mm -hmm. scripturally rich. And so uh, so I, I want scripturally rich, so abundant in scripture, scripturally accurate. Um, that one we we actually already mentioned about well known. That helps. Like mm -hmm. I I generally say. I want a song to fit five of the seven of these. All right. And so, because not all of these are um, kind of like dogmatic uh, content things, some of its preference. Um, but uh, so well known, um, but it, then congregationally singable. Mm. So there are a lot of songs. I mean, there's, there's a song out there called Lion. Have you heard it? I don't know. I have not. 
It is gorgeous. Yeah. Right. Elevation does it. You put put the headphones on and watch that music video. That ruins it for me already anyway. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. But musically, melodically, it is beautiful. But it has two problems. Uh, one problem is what does let the lion roar mean? Like huh. Jesus is a lion. You're, <laughs> that's the chorus. Let the lion, let the lion roar. roar. And it's shouting. like, what, uh-huh. what does that mean? Like, I don't uh-huh. want to sing something. I don't know what it means. Um, and, uh, and I'm kind of terrified by that idea. Cause if Christ roars, if the risen Christ roars, like what is that could just mean death for yeah, everyone, you know, scary. Just, uh-huh. so I don't know. So that's one problem. The second problem is you need to be a professional world-class singer to sing that song. Mm-hmm. And Do you really, it's that hard. It, what they do vocally is just beautiful. And hmm. for my own uh, enjoyment, I, I've watched uh, covers of that song just so I could see people not do it. And well. they're terrible? Yeah, it's terrible. Like, I, I'm, I feel bad for anyone who's singing huh. that song in church because the melody is beautiful. That's one of them, by the way. Melodic, uh, melodic beauty, melodically engaging. Um, but it's just not singable by a congregation. You need to be amazing at singing to do that song. Mm-hmm. Even that puts like Brandon Lake and Chris Brown. Brandon puts a growl in his voice and stuff like that. Um, and so, so that's what that's one of the things you need. So you, it needs to be scripturally accurate, scripturally rich. Well, it's nice if it's well known. Um, but congregationally singable, the range needs mm-hmm. to be something that a normal human can do with within reason. Um, and there's one there's one exception to that rule. But congregationally singable, and then uh, and then melodically beautiful if it's a well-written song Hmm. this is something i'm I'm actually disappointed a little bit in reformed people with good theology um because because elevation has better melodies than we do yeah and it's like that why let's get better let's get better at this it what do you think it might be because big pond small pond Mm -hmm. so they're a big pond right with gobs of musicians wanting to be there world-class musicians wanting to be on their stage and all that Mm -hmm. what reformed churches like that yeah, not well, so many. Not so many, but and so I totally agree with that. But to write a melody, you need one brain. Like you just need one guy who is good at it, you know. Um, and so, like, it, I, 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 if if I were speaking to to the group of worship leaders in America, I would encourage us to do better to, to those of us who who understand the scriptures and want to, and whose heart is to glorify God and to lead the people in the meditation and right response to, to the to the Word of God. That, that we would do it better, that we would take that gorgeous theme in the scriptures and put a better melody to that so that people are just addicted to that. Hmm. And so that, that, that happens sometimes, um, but I'd like to see it happen more. Yeah, you reminded me of something I sent you. Was it this week, earlier this week? I sent you a little thing. I won't name the guy. Here's a guy that someone we both admire recommended his music. Oh, yeah. And uh, I've listened to it a little more. I've I've searched it out and listened to a few of his songs. Hmm. And you know what? I'm really sorry to say none of them gripped me. Have you listened to some? I forgot to listen to some (laughs) (laughs) stuff. Well, tell me what you think when when you go and see them. But uh, all right, so uh, that helps, evaluating current Christian music mm-hmm. and what are some characteristics of good and bad. This is really important to me. So um, one of the things I love, I'll just go ahead and tell these people this, you can pretend you're not here for a minute if you want, is uh, I can usually, I'm not 100% accurate in this, but I can usually tell when a new song rolls out in our Sunday worship, I can tell that you wrote that song. And there are several reasons why I can tell. It has your signature on it. But the main one is going to be the theology, the verbiage, 
um, you know, what you're saying. There's just meat. It's not like overly done. It's not, not like raw red slab of meat thrown at me, but uh, it's meaty. It's sturdy. It's weighty. It has a rich indwelling of the word. I was wrong once recently. I heard you during rehearsal when you were doing I a was new complimented song. by that. <laughs> and I thought it was you. I said so. She said, yeah. no, man, it was Shane and Shane. Shane and Shane. All right? sufficient merits. So, uh, so how are they? Are their songs usually better? Because that one was pretty good. Yeah. So there, there are a couple people that I would recommend. That a couple of worship bands I'd recommend, and uh, is that what you're asking? Yeah. So, so Shane and Shane is one, one of them. Yeah. They, uh, they, they've been at it for a long time, and they, and they do a pretty good job of melody and um, me- melody and content. Their their issue is that they have such amazing voices that then you get the congregationally singable thing. Nobody can sing it. No. It's like trying to sing uh, back in the day. Trying to sing. Nobody could play Led Zeppelin because nobody could do Robert Plant, right? You had to get a girl to sing Robert Plant. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's true. So you need Robert Plant to sing some Shane and Saint, Shane songs too. Hmm. Um, so, but they're they're awesome. Like I love listening to them. Their their music's really good. And again, the, the Gettys and Matt Boswell, anyone on the Getty songwriting team, like uh, Jordan Coughlin, Bob Coughlin, um, City of Light, they have some really great stuff. Yeah, they do, don't they? Mm-hmm. Uh huh. I like their stuff. Mm-hmm. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a little bit of a left turn now, Jason. Okay. And uh, I brought three books with me. So let me just show them first. Can I show them a camera? Center camera, Sean? All right, so here we go. This one is by John Frame, a great theologian in America today. He's kind of retired just recently, but it's called. It's titled Worship in Spirit and Truth, subtitle A Refreshing Study of the Principles and Practice of Biblical Worship. I'm going to put that aside because I'm going to read something out of it, and we'll talk about it. Okay. Another one by him that he wrote about a year later is Contemporary Worship Music, A Biblical Defense. So here you have a serious seasoned, reformed theologian of like big weight, and he's writing a biblical defense of contemporary worship music. This book was very influential in my life. Then I'm also going to reach back to a book that I bought in, let's look and see, 1983. Had your parents met yet in 83? They had. had. (laughs) All right. So 1983, this is called The Christian Imagination, Essays on Literature and the Arts, edited by Leland Riken. And he's got the last section in the book is on Christian music, and there's a great article here by, I'm going to go to it in just a second, by E. Margaret Clarkson. Heard of her? Yeah. She, she did quite a bit of stuff. She was involved with uh, InterVarsity a lot, okay. wrote, wrote hymns to be done at their big annual meetings and stuff mm. like that. So she was quite a musician. So let's start with this one, mm. and she's got a section here. I'm going to read it to you and then ask you some questions. Right. What constitutes a good hymn? And she says... Line four, its words are of utmost importance. Good music must accompany them, but its highest office is to provide suitable expression for its words, for the words rather than the music decide the worth of a hymn. Mm -hmm. Later, important as it is, the music, it has no function apart from the words. So let's pause there, right? We kind of been saying that, haven't we? Yeah, the music is just a... uh it's ornaments, the words. The music is the the, the clothing. It enrobes oh, the nice. content. Right. The vehicle that carries. Yeah, because we just, we want the word of God. Like there isn't, God hasn't given us a, this melody is is uh, is what glorifies me. Yes. Like he doesn't, but he gave us scripture that does. Yes. So, yeah, and, totally and agree. Our singing is supposed to be part of our teaching ministry. Mm-hmm. The music is a teaching tool that we use to get truth into into mm-hmm. people's minds, right? Yeah, yeah, very much. Not for them to say, that's a cool song. What mm-hmm. did it mean? I don't know. Yeah. Let the lion roar. <laughs> exactly, yeah. All right, so then she says, good hymns are God-centered, not man-centered. Let me read a little more. Good hymns adore the eternal Godhead for what he is, worshiping him for his holiness, wisdom, power, justice, goodness, mercy, and truth. They praise him for his mighty acts, and so on and so forth. Again, the point is, good hymns are God-centered, 
not man-centered. So what do you think of that? Let me add a little more to it. Is it ever appropriate to have the personal pronoun I in a, in a song? And uh, why or why not? And to what degree? And so on. So good hymns are God-centered, not man-centered. Take it away. Yeah, I don't know if that um, bifurcation is very helpful. Oh. So God-centered hymns. So it's a it's about God. Like this this hymn is um, God. You are amazing. Here's an attribute of yours. I love it. You're amazing. Praise your name. I, that's a that, that'd be a great that's, song. That's good. Yeah. A lot of the psalms are not that. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Good point. The psalms. Yeah, so we, we have essentially a hymn book. Like, it's poetry that a lot of it was sung. And and the example, like, I think of Psalm 28. It's just David crying out to God. Yeah. It's a lot of I, 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 help me, have mercy upon me. Those guys don't like me. Please please hurt them and bless me. Like, And so if that is our example, if that is our God-given example, then I, I'd stray away from t- speaking of as strongly as she does. I agree with you. 100 percent all right past the, the lord good. that's good let's go i'm going to move to john frames worship in spirit and truth subtitle a refreshing study of the principles and practices of biblical worship and i'm turning to page 84 and what do you think of what he says here so remember this is about um principles and practice of biblical worship and his other book was about contemporary worship so he says all in all it seems to me that the relevant considerations favor an informal service, so we're thinking about this, should we be formal or informal? The relevant considerations all and always says favor an informal service with a friendly, welcoming atmosphere and contemporary styles in language and music. This is not a rigid or hard rule, he says, but when we depart from this pattern, we should understand what we are doing and we should make some effort to remedy the problems we may create. Then he goes on to say, let me give you a little more. The criticism to this is that, well, you're catering to people's tastes. And he says, well, yeah, within the divine commands, there is some room for people's tastes. We don't want to bend to divine commands about music. But one of those divine commands is to worship in ways that are intelligible to church members and visitors, 1 Corinthians 14. So determining the most intelligible forms of worship requires us to ask what people in a particular culture most easily listen to and understand. And that question certainly overlaps the issue of taste. Mm -hmm. I'll pause there. There's another section there I want to read. But so, again, uh, he thinks the relevant considerations favor an informal service with a friendly, welcoming atmosphere and probably contemporary music. What do you think of what he says there? Um, I like most of it. Oh, interesting. Because yeah. to me, that sounds like our service, but... Yeah. Uh, good. Yeah. Um, I like informal because... So I'm, I'm reading um, Ligon Duncan's Does God Care About How We Worship? And, you know, I'm, when you read that and you're basically like, it's Old Testament times, like we got to, like, th- you know, do all the right things, think all the right things. And, and you, you do need to think the right things, but um, as if there's a lot more formal formality. And so I, I'm not into formality. Uh, I think that Jesus doesn't seem to be into formality at all um, in terms of how he structures his, his evangelism. That's not a worship service. But then in the, uh, in the New Testament, Paul teaches on a lot of things. And he doesn't, he, he doesn't say, uh, he, he doesn't give us instructions about how to formalize our service. Make it so, right. If, if God wanted that, and like John Piper, I think, would say that um, – that the, the maybe he would say this that the worship service is uh, is kind of cultureless and is able to fit into any culture. It's mm. it goes places because there's not 
put these colors on the walls and dress ex- with these things. Have this order of service. Have this order of service uh-huh. and don't depart. And here's your church calendar. Yeah. And so, uh, so I don't think that there's there should be formalness in that way. However, um, I don't think that the worship service needs to be. Uh, it shouldn't lack reverence. I guess is what I want to say. So whenever I hear that, sometimes people come into a service that's lively, it's energetic, people are making noise, you know, they're saying, yeah, amen, thank you, Lord, and whatever, um, and they say it's not reverent. I think they're really confused. Yeah, yeah, right? that, that's not what I mean. Yeah. So Psalm Talk 150 about talks yeah, about right. clashing cymbals and, like, all the instruments going crazy, or even just the uh, rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice. Like, the the, the New Testament believer has such a great... Um, armory of things to rejoice in that it's just like we we need to be rejoicing there's so much like god is so wonderful the gospel is so wonderful and so there should be um clashing symbols and people and those are reverent they are because god ordained them and god is praised and honored by them yes 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 and so what i don't want is to get confused with things that are that are irreverent things that don't honor god but we're just so chill that it that we don't care Yeah, but I think the problem I've observed more than that one is that there are people who uh, you know they have hearts for Christ, they love God, they love the kingdom, and all that. They think reverent means quiet, hushed, solemn. Yeah, disagree, and yeah, mm-hmm. disagree too. Mm-hmm. Totally. That's why we don't fight each other. We, <laughs> yes. we agree. So then she then Frame goes on to say, indeed, mm-hmm. asking such questions may force us to go against the tastes of many, maybe our own tastes. Mm-hmm. We may well have to set aside our prejudices and tastes as we plan our worship. One who loves classical music, for example, and that'd be me, and deep theology, and that'd be me, may have to accept some contemporary choruses and childlike rhymes, Psalm 150. Mm-hmm. Uh, worship is not merely for ourselves as individuals, but for God, for our fellow Christians. Mm-hmm. And for the unbelieving visitors, First Corinthians fourteen twenty-two to twenty-five. Yeah. So we have to distinguish between what God requires and what we are comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And in matters of individual preference, we must be willing to consider others mm-hmm. ahead of ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like you, you want to be speaking in English when when you when people walk in. People walk in the room, and you're not speaking Latin, for example, like the Catholic Church did until the 1970s, right? Uh, you want to be you want to be giving them music that is. Uh, that is helpful, that is helpful in, in teaching just a human, just a, yeah. a modern human. You want it to be something that they, uh, that they don't have to like, go over. They don't have to have spent all the time listening to classical music that you've done. They don't have to have spent all the, they have, don't have to have an MDiv to enjoy the service. Yes. And so we want various levels of depth. We want various dynamics. And I want, I want the, the set to draw people in by those dynamics, to take them from, hey, I, I like this, I'm happy, to get them to think about deeper things. Hmm. But really, that, that first song almost is just like, come in here, I'm louder than your brain. Like you're, right now, mm-hmm. you're everywhere, but I'm louder than you. And look, we're, we're, we're moving. Hey, pay attention to this. We're singing about Jesus Christ and start to set your heart upon him. Hmm. So, yeah. Pretty cool. I think that... Uh People in our church generally worship, well, it depends on which service. The early service is a little more chill yeah. than the second service. But let's, let's talk about the second service. They're awake by then. It's 11 o'clock when it starts. Mm-hmm. I think they worship pretty enthusiastically. Do you, or are there ways you'd like to see us improve? Mm-hmm. Um, they, they do. So when I took this job, uh, however many years ago that was, um, people told me at that point, uh, don't encourage me to sing loud. 
And they told you that. Just a couple of them did. And uh, I took that in, and I took that in too deeply. Huh. Because um, if because I, I want our congregation to sing. I want uh, worship expression to be not something that is relegated to the stage, but is in the congregation. Yes. And, and for a reason. I don't, I don't want it just because I want to look good on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are singing loud, for one, that means that you're you're not sitting there thinking about like, oh my goodness, my voice, how's my voice? How how am I to the people around me? You're 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 proclaiming it. And then secondly, I think it is more glorifying to the Lord to say this is so amazing that I'm not only going to be echoing what's happening here. I'm not going to be participating, not only just participating, but I'm going to do it loudly. Mm-hmm. I think that that is glorif- more glorifying to the Lord. And so I, I want our congregation to get louder and louder and louder. Yeah. You know, we're, I, I don't, I don't need to hear myself. Yeah. I'd be happy if we, if we go in here and it's just like a bunch of loud people praising Jesus yeah. Christ. Amen. Be great. I think, I think it's more edifying to the other believers who are there as mm-hmm. well. And I also like it for guests who are coming in, whether they're believers or not. Probably most of our guests are believers. Some of our guests are not believers. Mm-hmm. And when they come in and it's not just some people on a stage are doing something, mm-hmm. but it's the entire congregation is really doing something. They're doing it with vigor and they're loud. It is the word of Christ dwelling in us richly yeah. that we are like singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Right? That says to that guest, I've just walked into a room, a whole room full of people who apparently are really interested interested in Jesus Christ, excited mm-hmm. about, passionate toward. Yeah, there's much in Jesus Christ to be passionate about, yeah. I guess. Like, hmm, that, yeah, that, I like that, that shows him that it makes much of God, yeah. Yep, so loud praises to our king, brother. Yep, mm-hmm. I like it. So uh, let me ask you this question. I mean, we're coming down home stretch here, just a couple more things. One is, um, so you're a music and worship guy. You're a chief musician. Mm-hmm. What are some of the unique challenges? Unique challenges. Attached to your position. What are some of the hard parts of your job? Yeah, um, there, there are a couple. Um, one of them is uh, one of them is actually what we just said is that it's part of what I'm doing for me to, to I think to be serving the Lord best um, is is doing things like getting people to sing louder. Um, so I, I, that's kind of a hard thing to to do. You know, like okay, I need to to get these you know three hundred people to to lift their voices louder. So that, that's kind of a hard thing, but. Um, another one is misunderstanding about the performance aspect of worship. Mm. It's like, I don't know how many times someone has said, oh, but it's not a performance. And I, I don't, I don't do, I don't engage about that with people. Um, but, uh, but that's, but that's one of the harder things too. Just this intellectually, just how I'm going to do my work and how it is misunderstood. And so, so what do you mean? You mean people are saying to you, Jason, don't worry about whether you know, you played your guitar well, it's not a performance. Um, that sometimes, but sometimes, you know, these are godly folk, and they just like to to put in. So they're talking to the worship guy, and so let me just make sure I say, and yeah, worship isn't a it's performance. Not a performance. Yep. Like you want to say, we all know that and feel it very deeply, but you don't say that. Oh, I, I want to say, what do you mean? It is a performance. Oh, well, talk about that. What do you mm-hmm. mean? To the Lord for the Lord? Kind of. Um, we'll, we'll see if I'm a heretic here. Uh, so just move away from you a little, <laughs> just a little bit. Lightning strikes. Yep, yep, yep. Um, all right. So it's not a performance. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to serve the Lord, and I'm trying to serve people. Mm-hmm. And true that that means acting in a certain way that will best serve the Lord and serve people. If I get up on stage 
and I'm just, I'm not really feeling it today. Like I want to be true to myself. I want to be authentic to myself. My worship today is painting and not singing. And so I get up on stage, get ready to sing. And then I actually just sit down and paint something that wouldn't be serving the people and that wouldn't be serving the Lord in the way that he's, re he's required of us. And so, so there is an element of, um, of you're just going to do this. Like you need to act the part and not, not hypoc not in hypocrisy. If someone hates the Lord, I'm not getting them on that stage. Right. But there is praise that is due to the Lord. Yes. It says in Psalm 65, praise is due to you, O God in Zion. Or Psalm 39, uh, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. He deserves that praise. And so my job, what I'm doing, the way I'm serving is, is to, to help people to see that. And I, I want to help people to see that with my hands. I want to help them to see that with my face, with my with my arms. I want to be pointing to Christ and serving Christ in a way that maybe I wouldn't have if I wasn't on a stage. Mm. And so in that aspect, it is a performance. I see what you mean. Yeah. So, and oh, and to serve the people, too. The same thing for the people. So does a little bit of this also enter in? And this might affect you and your musicians whom you have to mentor and coach and shepherd and all that. So uh, let me. it's similar in preaching. So the people deserve a certain thing from me as a yes. preacher. And if I'm feeling dull or I'm tired or the baby cried all night and I didn't get much sleep, mm. our babies are all grown, by the way, um, or uh, you know, I have a headache or maybe I'm a little depressed, which doesn't happen. But anyway, uh, am I supposed to just then preach like a depressed, tired preacher? Or do I have to say, oh, Lord, help me because your people deserve it and you're worthy of the glory mm -hmm. and I've got to dig real deep and and preach in a way that I don't really feel at the moment. Mm -hmm. And in that sense, it's a performance. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. Because there's, there's like a, it gets hard for people to determine between that and hypocrisy. Yeah. And so, you know, hypocrisy, I don't feel this, but I just want praise. So I'm going to do it anyway. Like, I don't, I don't really think these things about God, but I'm going to say them. But the other side is, Lord, you deserve it. Mm -hmm. Like, Lord, help me. Like, help me to preach. Help me to to lead in a way that will show people how wonderful you are. Mm. And so people have a hard time differentiating between the two um, because of the I'm putting on something. Right. Mm. Um, but but since we're talking about this stuff, yeah, we you put on something. You act in a way you wouldn't normally. Sometimes you act in a way that you don't feel crying out to the Lord in your heart. Lord, help, you know, I believe, help my unbelief. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I wonder, has a preacher ever preached a sermon on a day when he really didn't even want to go to church? Hmm. I'm sure. I'm sure. Right? I'm sure. I don't think that's ever happened to me. I don't think. Hmm. But um, has it ever? Lloyd Jones said, if you don't have the unction, go home. <laughs> I, I think, Did you really? Yeah, I think he said that. Anyway. Sorry, folks. No sermon today. Yeah. I'm unctionless. Yeah, he said, pray. Have everyone pray and then go home. Pray that uh, next week the unction would be back. Well, he was quite a character. He was. Any other challenges in your position? I think one of them is, it's probably not on your list, one of them is you wear a target, pretty big target. Mm -hmm. So anybody who wants to get ha unhappy about something, they might get unhappy at you. Yeah, they might. Our, our people are great. Like they, uh, I, I don't take a lot of flack. Um, before the last worship leader left, again, say eight years ago, but he, he like he looked at everyone in the congregation, pointed at me, and he was like, be nice to him. Um, if you, maybe you remember that you were there. he took some flack. You took some flack, yeah. So there, there's a target. Um, for me, it's more uh, people send... Last night, a guy, um, good dude, he, uh, he sent me a song request, and it was from a metal band called For Today. I haven't listened to it yet, but there is a 99% chance we're not going to play that accordion. Probably not, huh? And so it's just like, hmm. I'm uh, sorry. Uh, you know, it's just like, oh, man. Like, so I, you have to disappoint people. Yeah, because I, I feel the weight of I am shepherding these people with the, with the diet of songs that I'm giving them. 
And so I'm going to be picky, even if that makes people mad at me. Hmm. And it, it doesn't, sometimes they're nice, but they, they give me a list of 20 songs they want to sing and I'll try just like Shine FM. I'll try. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, we, we won't do them. By the way, I get something similar. Sermon topics suggested. Mm, yeah. Oh, I'd love to hear a series on. And I won't. I almost named one that somebody actually said, yeah. but uh, and it's not something I'm going to preach on anytime soon, right? Yeah. This is why we are. This is not. This is an aspect of being elder led. Yes. Like we we think that it is that what is best is that those who that God has called to the eldership position um, are the ones who are. Who are who are feeding the sheep and not the the sheep feeding each other necessarily? Is that can you say that in a better way? Yes. No, I think you said it real well. So uh, we we presume that those that the Holy Spirit has uniquely gifted and the church has recognized and called to a, an office mm-hmm. will make better choices about which which song should we sing and exactly. not sing, right? Yeah. What should I preach and not preach? Yeah, and that, that's hard, especially in these days where we hate any sort of authority. But mm-hmm. that's how we are, and I think that that's best. And so if if we had a free for all, that I'd. I don't think it'd be a good thing. Yeah, not good, not healthy. Yeah. All right. I'll uh, give you another one, though. All right. I've got another one. Another challenge you face? Here's a challenge. I know I'm t- taking these a different angle from what you were saying, and if you, and if you don't mind, I wouldn't, I'd wouldn't. i like to say one other thing, too. But, all right, go right ahead. Um, a challenge is people arriving late. Oh, no one in our church ever does that, do no, they? No one. This is just hypothetical. Uh-huh. This is in a church that <laughs> you isn't. You had a dream once where people yeah, arrived late? Yeah, in a place where people you know, sin, not our church. It was where a this, nightmare? No, so so I, I don't need uh, people to uh, to be in the room for me to feel good about the music that I prepared with my band. I don't need it. But but here's how I I view the worship service like I view a quiet time, like a quiet time, a devotional time, right? So this is a this is um this is a time for me to meet with God. There is the Word of God being sung. And there is word of God being read, and there is prayer happening just in my twenty-minute chunk, right? And so, what I what I want them to do is is to actually to engage their hearts, engage their mind, to just like a quiet time, meditate on what is being said, and to follow along in the path that I have laid out for their good. Because that what I said about that at the beginning, like there's the worship song, and I'm just saying like listen to me instead of your own yourself. They will miss that. And so then they step into the second song, mm. not having heard the first song. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's a there's a flow that I want to lead them through. Yes. And when, when they're there late, like it doesn't matter to me in terms of pride, but it matters to me in terms of like, man, you guys, you're not, you're not going to get as much now. Yeah. Well, it's like if they came to the sermon five minutes in, right? They missed the whole setup, the whole introduction, the whole scripture reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Cause, like cause we, we're we're getting input from yeah. the world all the time. And here is just an hour and 15 minutes of just like, let's, let's align our hearts with the word of God. And so I want them there the whole time. Yeah. So word to all you cornerstone people and all you people who are part of some other church, and hopefully that ought to be all of you, mm. um, get there early. Get there early. So I look forward to the days when we are so crowded, and we hit this every now and then, we're so crowded that if you didn't get there early, you don't get a seat, or it's hard mm-hmm. to find one. Yeah. And then they'll start coming early more. But That's true. Yeah, we do have a little problem with that. What else? You had one more thing. Yeah, so in my, my little definition of worship, um, just being, not definition, but the goal, being to cultivate meditation upon and, um, and right responses to the Word of God. Uh, I want to talk about that right response thing, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. And so to... To have a right response, um, the the Word of God shows us a God that is marvelous, that is splendid, glorious, and so what what I want for our people 
um, in terms of in terms of what the the effect overall of the worship. Like some people talk about emotional manipulation mm-hmm. during worship, and I'm all about man- emotional manipulation during worship. I want to manipulate your emotions until you have a fraction of the emotion you should have about these things. Mm. But what you mean by manipulation is with truth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I want to power I, the truth. I want to take their emotions on a journey because because God's glory is 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 this excellent. And right, and right now he is worshipped by angels about his holiness, right? Mm-hmm. And so for us to come into to church, one of the things that I want to do is to give us a fraction closer to what God deserves. Praise mm-hmm. is due to you, O God and Zion. A fraction closer of the affection we should have for his holiness, affection we should have for his character, the gratefulness we should have for the gospel. And so we, I want to produce through the scriptures and through prayer, as and that's up to you, but through the scriptures and through prayer to produce something in you that is closer to reality, hmm. like closer to what, to the should. There is a should. This is something that I was talking to Sean about the other day. There, someone said, I don't like it when Pastor Steve says we should sing loud. And it's like, hmm. is, is that legalism? Sorry. Uh, that's not legalism. I mean, for one, for one the, the, the last five Psalms end with hallelujah, praise the Lord as a command, right? And so there's, and there are psalms as they praise him with a loud voice. Praise him with a loud voice. Yeah, so the word says that, so mm-hmm. I can say that. Yeah. So you can say the, that your complaints with God. Yeah. You know. But there, the, but there is because of the magnitude of His glory, there is an ought to worship. There is an mm-hmm. ought to praise. To and the so Christian I, life. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I, so I, I want to, want to bring that out. You know, I want, I want people to come and be aligned with the glory of God and see Him and have right response to the Word of God. And that's why we use music to, to do that. It's a tool. Amen. Yeah, why do we use music? Well, because God says so. But why does God say so? Why does he want us to sing things? Why don't we just, like, monotone chant things, all right? Because the music is a is a powerful vehicle that brings the words into contact with our feelings and our mm-hmm. soul and our emotions, right? Yeah. So, so we want that. Mm-hmm. So um, one last question, and then I've got to get. i got another meeting to get to. But if you could change anything in Christian worship music in the United States— yeah, we we'll only get one pick. Sorry. What is it? Well, this will go back to what we've already talked about, though. Sorry. We're concluding. Um, Bring it up. Because we have beautiful melody out there. We have uh, beautiful production out there. We have a lot of means to get the music out there. But just that scriptural accuracy. Hmm. Like, can we please be accurate? Yes. Please bring out the scriptures and give them to people because that is what people need. So nice. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Nice. So you referred to a theologian, or a couple of them earlier. I'm going to refer to uh, Robert Louis Dabney, and um, in his book on preaching, it's titled Sacred Rhetoric. They have a newer title on it now. But in there, he has a phrase that I've used over and over and over again in my own little brain, and that is you, when you're preaching, you want to give them dense, compact, luminous truth it's glowing it's dense it's compact we could use more of that in christian music in the u.s huh yeah yeah very good jason thanks for joining me man yeah thanks steve it's been fun have you on again well thank you for joining us today on grounded we come out uh, a couple times a month on all the major platforms you know how to find us if you'd like to do something really nice for us say give us a like and maybe share this with a friend thank you so much see you again soon